Well, hey, friends, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm going to hop right in. We are in week two of a series that we just started called People in Process. And if you uh, were walking in, you probably saw it all over the walls in this place. It's a character in which we embody here. It's a value um, that we really love and are trying to become. And um, so we're kind of teasing out what that actually looks like in real life and how God has called us to be a people in process. And there's actually a process that we go through. And so last week we kicked it off with this idea that um, we're all an attractive disaster. That, um, that we talked about this idea of a hot mess and we talked about everything's a hot mess and really it's just that we're messy people, that we have brokenness in us, we have all kinds of things that have happened to us, we're just, it's just not right and there's parts of us but we are this attractive disaster because we come into places like this and we're just great at covering it up and you know, we'll look good, feel good and then just forget about the mess and that we, what we uh, started to talk about is that we can recognize the mess in someone else because we ourselves are a mess. And we often use the excuse of like, well, yeah, that's just how it is. You know, we're all, nobody's arrived. We're, nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. And, and we talked about how when we recognize that nobody's perfect, we're actually acknowledging that there's a perfect that no one is. That there's this standard in which we live under this law that Paul taught us even, that's actually the precious presence of God pushing on us to show us that there's something bigger than us, even something to which we're actually held accountable towards. So there's this idea that, that when we acknowledge our messes, we're actually just baby steps away from acknowledging who God is. Because we believe this, and I believe this, that the messes that actually bring us together is actually what God brought, uh, was, which is actually what brought God, what brought God near. <laughs> our messes. The things that we do, and this is so uncomfortable for so many of us, that your mess can have a purpose to it. And it's the reason that God showed up. And last week we introduced this idea that Jesus, he came with a new idea, with this big gigantic word called grace. And that these messes, your mess, my mess, our brokenness, actually have the potential to bring God near to us. And, uh, and uh, so we started this out of just recognizing, hey, everyone's on the same playing field. Everyone starts right there. Everyone's living under this standard that no one is able to achieve. And so we're all in the same place. There's, we're all people in process and we're starting the process. And so today I want to point out them some things in scripture that actually tell us about how that process actually begins that it's not something we just sit there because there's this language that I've even heard in a place like this where we can just say, yeah, we're all just a people in process. You know, nobody's arrived, right? But it just ends there. And we don't want to just end there with this excuse of like, well, yeah, we're just all a people in process. We want to talk about and see what the process produces, what kind of fruit it specifically produces. Now, there's a really famous... Um, a piece of scripture comes from the book of John. It's John 3.16. A lot of you guys are familiar with it. For God so loved the world that gave his only son, right? And uh, that's what people get tattoos of. They hold up signs with it. They like write in the back of your dirty car because they're like thinking, oh, that's so Christian to do. And like, you know, they can like advertise, right? So John 3.16 is super popular. But the verse that's not as popular that I think actually tells us even more to the story is we start the story that he gave his only son to us and for us. But in verse 17, John 3, 17, it says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. What? He didn't send his son in to do what? 
Condemn, yeah. He didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save it through him, to seek, to save, to rescue the world. He didn't come and send Jesus here to show up in everyone's life and to be like, you're a mess and you're a mess and this is where you broke things. You know, the, you, I see you, you're on your fourth marriage. I see you, you can't even get your time stuff, you know, gathered together. I see you, you can't do a relationship. I see you, look how much debt you're in. I see you, I hear what you're thinking, right? Creepy, um, right? So he doesn't come in to condemn. And a lot of people don't realize that he didn't come to just condemn, but he actually came in to rescue, to see those things, to draw near to, to go into the mess. God came into the world to come into the mess of people. It's what he drew near to you. And we see all of this throughout scripture. There's so many stories. I want to give you four quick flyby ones that are great examples of what this process actually looks like. First of all, that God comes into us, our lives, our messes, our sin, our brokenness, our missing the mark, right? Us falling short. Um, and then he gives us a very specific imperative, something that we, we must do to begin this process. In John 7 and 8, uh, we hear this really famous story that many of you know, but there's a story where um, Jesus was teaching in the temple on the mount, and um, a handful of men had gone and caught a woman in the midst of adultery. I cannot even imagine what the scene actually looked like. Caught her in the midst of adultery, dragged her into this public place naked, so, and then exposed the mess, literally, figuratively, of her life and what had been going on. I literally cannot imagine the weight of the moment and what was exposed in the messiness. And then it says that Jesus had a quick conversation with these people as they said, what are you going to do about this? Look at this mess. You need to condemn. You need to condemn. You need to condemn. You need to judge. You need to judge. You need to judge. And so Jesus made a quick remark and then he drew on the ground a little bit because I guess that's what you're supposed to do when you're in a stressful situation. Side note, drawing's good. Coloring's good. Then he looked back at them, said a few more things, drew on the ground some more, and they all end up walking away. They all ended up leaving the scene in the situation. And Jesus looked at this woman and said, neither do I condemn you. And he said, look at me. Look at me. Neither do I condemn you. But then he finishes it with this. But leave your life of sin. That is the beginning of this process. Look at me. I didn't come here to condemn you. I came here to rescue you. And how I rescue you is you leave your life of sin. There's another story where he was traveling along a road and a crowd had gathered to watch. This was a normal thing. People just wanted to see Jesus, to see if they could see him from a distance, to touch him, um, and just like a parade would be, to just get around to see what's going on. They found out which way he was traveling. And he, come, he came upon a tree, another really infamous story, where a guy named Zacchaeus was up in a sycamore tree. There's even songs about this if you grew up in Sunday school. And I think that there's a couple things going on here that Zacchaeus was up in this tree because he was the lowest of the low. He was a mess of a man. He was a tax collector. It was frowned upon. He was taking advantage of people. He was hurting people in their lives. He was sinning. He was full of brokenness himself. Um, this culturally too was looked way low on. There was even, uh, you know, like different categories of sinners and then like tax collectors was below that as this awful, awful group of people. And I think that part of him being up in the tree actually potentially had some other, you know, uh, possibilities to it. That not only was he in the tree maybe because he was a short man and couldn't see, but he was short in stature with, when it came to the culture. 
and the way people looked at him and they looked down upon him that he was a nothing, he was a nobody. And literally maybe he had climbed the tree not only to see, but then to lift himself up and probably even had bodyguards below the tree because he knew if he got within the crowd, he'd get mobbed, right? No one liked the guy. So through all of these people, Jesus looked over and saw a mess and he said something very specific to him. He said, come down to me, come down to me. He close to me and then went to his home and spent time, had a meal with other like people, Zacchaeus, and ended with this same imperative, leave your life of sin. Begin the process. I'm with you. I'm breaking bread with you. I see you. Come down to me. Now leave this. There's got to be a process that begins. You don't just stay here. You don't just get recognized by me. And you you need to do something with this. There's another beautiful story in John 4. It's known as the woman at the well, right? Jesus was traveling and going through some areas the middle of the day. It was hot, like hot, like we don't even understand hot here. And Jesus was left by this well while his disciples went out and got food. And while he was there, a woman showed up to retrieve water. And this was a big deal. Why? Because it was really hot. Like you don't go outside in the middle of the day. You don't go out and do your chores in the middle of the day. You literally do it really early in the morning or you do it late in the evening when it's a little cooler. During the day, you literally are inside laying down trying to survive. <laughs> you just want to live because it's so hot. It's, you know, doing any kind of work just isn't appropriate at that time. So to have to go out and get water, which gives life, in the middle of the day meant that there were some big messes in this person's life. That's like modern day, the person who has to go to the grocery store at two in the morning because they literally just don't want to run into anybody because they feel like everyone's staring at them. Everybody knows their mess. Or they feel like everybody knows what's going on. So she showed up there and Jesus saw this messy, messy person and looked at her and said, come close to me. You are allowed to come close to me. I can give you the life of living water. I can give you living water, but ended it with the same thing. But leave your life of sin behind. I know what your mess is. You need to stop with the mess. We've recognized that. You need to go and you need to begin a process of transformation and change and take steps in a new direction. Then we see at the very end of Jesus's life before the resurrection, Uh, we see that um, he finds himself next to a man that is paying the ultimate price that obviously he has done something extremely messy, extremely broken, extremely sinful, right? Not meeting the mark by any means, falling short by everyone's standard to to the point that they've now chosen him to be an example of what happens if it's that bad, which is crucifixion. This man has found himself, everything kind of adding up to finding himself being crucified on a cross, because of the mistakes, the brokenness that he's made in his life. And you find Jesus there next to him, saying to him, hey, guess what? You're coming with me. You're coming with me. Here's what Jesus offered to all the messy people. Here's what Jesus offers to us, right? When he recognizes, and we recognize ourselves, that we're all a mess, that we're sinners, that we're broken, we just don't meet the mark, right? that we're not the perfect that there is out there. Jesus offered himself as the solution. But it doesn't just stop there. 
He comes into our lives. He goes into these lives. He goes into the face of mess and he offers himself as a solution. And he says, hey, do you want to know what God is like? Just listen to what I say and just do what I do. He didn't come here to condemn you. I'm here to rescue you, to see a change in you, that you would begin a process that would be good for you, that would bring you back into a righteous relationship with God. Right after that scene with this adulterous woman on the Temple Mount, right after, she leaves. The next thing it says that he says in John 8, 12, he says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people right afterwards, he said, I am the light of the world. Essentially saying, I am the light that's going to lead you through and out of the dark moments of your life. The darkness that you find yourself in. The darkness that we all find ourselves in. I am the light. He continued and said, whoever follows me. Whoever follows me. Now, if you're really honest with yourself, I don't know if you've ever really thought about this. Have you ever really been following Jesus and what he's asked you to do and who he's called you to be when you've gotten yourself into some of your messes? I mean, like, if you're going to be really honest with yourself, the decisions you were making in that moment, you knew. I knew. Like, what I'm doing right now is going to make a mess or can make a mess again. And right now, I already know, ah, this might not be really following the ways of Jesus. If you're honest with yourself, when you're following Jesus, oftentimes you're not following him into a mess. It says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. They'll never walk in darkness, but have the light of life, something that continues to bring them through and on a journey, a process, a spiritual journey. Now, I know maybe some of you are like me. I'm like this too. There's times that when I make a mess, I want to call it AAA, right? Like when you're driving down the road, you're doing your own thing, you're on a journey, and all of a sudden everything just kind of breaks down on you, you got a flat tire, you want to get out your little car, you want to call AAA, and you want them to show up, you want them to fix it, you want to shake their hand, and you want to keep going. You want to talk about where you're going, you want to talk about what happened, you just want to say, hey, I need you, this is kind of a mess right now, I need you to show up, fix this, and so I can go do my own thing. And, and the truth is, friends, we do this with God all the time, Right? We're going along and we got our own like thoughts and our own processes and we're heading our own places and all of a sudden it just goes sideways just a little bit and you're like, well, it looks like we're going to church this week, right? I need me some Jesus to fix this, triple eight up, right? Right? Or all of a sudden things just go sideways just a little bit and you're like, oh gosh, I guess I'm going to actually read that scripture that I signed up for a long time. Like he's giving me a push notification, right? From my Bible app that I just swipe off to the side, Right? And we do that. We treat God like this triple A thing. And we're like, oh man, I'm a mess. Show up. We've done that too with the promises. The promises we have made in the midst of our mess. We're like, oh Lord, you have no idea how bad I feel right now. Whatever you did to make yourself feel in that mess. But you make some big old promises. If you can just get me through this. If I will just wake up tomorrow and it can all go away, right? The things I will do for you, Jesus, right? With no real intention to do it. But we need a triple A. We need a triple A God to show up. And your heavenly father loves you too much to leave you or to treat you like that and to treat me like that, right? Which is why he continually comes into a mess. But there's some obligation, there's some accountability that we talked about last week to this. Some things that we have to respond to. God loves us too much to treat us like this. I would rather have 
just like an earthly father, I would personally rather have imperfect children that still love me and I get to love than having perfect kids that want really nothing to do with me. That's how God is. He's saying, I would rather have a relationship with you and your imperfection and your mess and you still love me than have you being all perfect and cheery and want nothing to do with me until all of a sudden you really need me or you're just at your last straw, right? What's most important to God is a personal relationship with you through a relationship with the one who makes that possible and that's his son. And that's who we learn from. That's our rabbi. That's what he teaches us in scripture. He gives us, come to me, draw near to me, look at me. He says, I want more than a triple A relationship. I want you to do this. I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. And there begins the process. When we say we're people in process, we recognize there's a mess. We see what the mess is, and then we begin to follow him. And I'm going to say something. You need to hear this. You cannot pray your way out of a mess that you have behaved yourself into. Ooh. Ooh, come on. You cannot pray your way out of a mess that you have behaved yourself into. That's that whole triple, triple A experience. But you can follow your way out. You find yourself in a mess. You can follow your way out and you can start taking steps. The best way I can think to explain this is this really big, beautiful, scary word. It's called repentance. I don't really honestly think that as a community or faith community, a lot of us fully understand what that word means. We can grasp sin and mess and brokenness and missing the mark. But when it comes to repentance and the action that goes with that, a lot of us just miss it, right? This is following him out of your messes. This is the, where the process begins. Repentance is looking at this thing that you love or you adore. You like the way it smells or it feels or just all of it. But this thing that's like encapsulated you, right? That's got all of your intention, that has so much power in your life, actually produces no fruit in your life. It continues to lead to like the messes, to the problems, to the brokenness, to the hurt, to the shame, to the guilt, to the sin, right? When Jesus shows up in that and says, hey, look at me, come with me, leave your life of sin. He's literally saying repent, which is where you say, this is no good for me. Something has got to change. And repentance means I'm done with this. I'm going to turn in the opposite direction from it and I'm going to go away from it, Right? This idea of fleeing, right? The, um, the, the Bible only talks about running with one thing in mind. When it comes to this stuff that hurts us, these things that tear us down, these things that aren't healthy for us, it says flee from it, which is repentance. This is no good for me. I have to turn and then flee from it, right? But what we do, this is where repentance gets so difficult. We go like this, yeah. I really shouldn't do this. This is not healthy for me. And so we'll put it down and be like, I'm done with you, right? I'm gonna leave my life of sin no more. And we'll turn, we'll start walking away and then we'll like give it a like, oh, but you, I like you a lot. And then we'll kind of wander back over here and then we'll hang in it and be like, oh, we are good friends, aren't we? And then you'll talk to it. Then you'll get in a season where you're like, no, this isn't good. It's tearing everything up. It's breaking everything down, right? Then we'll turn from it and then we'll walk and then we'll be like, oh, but I see you. 
table. <laughs> I need you, right? And this is where it gets really messy, right? So there's actually a next step to this, that repentance is actually to turn and flee, but there's a next piece to this. It's to pursue, which is where we miss everything. We're good at fleeing for a minute, but when we're fleeing something, we must be pursuing something else. This is where change takes place. So we have to pursue God, where he's saying, leave your life of sin behind. Leave these things behind and pursue me. Pursue goodness. Pursue self-control. Pursue joy. Pursue gentleness. All these fruits in which the Holy Spirit works up inside of us. Roger, I need you. Can you come up here? Serious, yeah. Totally spontaneous. You can come up right here, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're going to give a real example. This is what this looks like, right? So here's the next piece. You, we're going to switch. Come on over here. Yeah, this is, uh, you're looking good, buddy. Yeah, buddy. All right. So you have this thing and you pursue it and you run it. But here's the deal. When you flee and you're pursuing something else, you need a running partner. You need a buddy to run with you. Because otherwise, what happens is you pursue and you flee and you get to right here and you look back and you start going, grab me, grab me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you go, oh, no, buddy. Oh, oh, we're supposed to go this way? Yeah, yeah. And then I go, but I want this, right? No, no, no. And then it's your turn. You go. And I go, oh, no, you don't like that either. No, come back this way, right? <laughs> this is what this looks. Now, this is where this is really unhealthy. <laughs> this is where it's really unhealthy. Okay, I'm repenting, I'm fleeing, and I'm pursuing, I'm going this way. And I turn this way, and then he goes, oh, yeah, that does look good. Okay. <laughs> Let's do this together. Like, I won't tell if you don't tell, right? <laughs> this whole thing. This right here, you can turn this way so we can all see. Yeah, that's good. This right here is some big men. No, I'm joking. <laughs> this right here is what community looks like, and this is why community is so, so important. Because it's so hard to pursue when you don't have a running partner. We don't have somebody who will come alongside of you and lift you up. This is why small groups are important. This is why the men's ministry stuff is important. If you haven't gone to that, really interesting statistic. You can go. <laughs> really? Really interesting statistic is that um, um, if you ask most women if they have a friend they could go to or a friend, 78% of women will say Yes. When you ask men the same question, it's in the teens, right? It's silly. And that's why everyone, really, but we have such a problem with coming back to this. Because we have nobody who will come and grab you in community and say, no, 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 we're pursuing something. We have to flee and pursue. So if you're going to say, hey, Larry, just sum this whole thing up. Like, what is the step that we're talking about today as far as people in process? It's flee and pursue. Flee and pursue. And then get into community. Get into community. That's how you follow your way out. That's how something else is produced in you as a person in process. Because otherwise you just sit here over and over again and keep going, yeah, no, 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 I love this place. I love being around these people because we're all just the people in process. You know, none of us have quite figured it out. That's cool. And we just stay there. No, 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 no. It's the excuse of nobody's perfect. You're welcome. But when you're not taking steps to that next part when Jesus says, now leave and do something else. We're missing it. So to be a people in process, we have to be grace-filled and recognize that everybody else is a mess as well. And we can only recognize that because we are. But we must, 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 must be obedient because we will be held accountable to these next decisions. He says, I give it to you freely. Now do something. 
which is to flee and pursue. Pursue God and who he is. Now, if you're a follower of God, and this is, I'm going to wrap up your testimony as we end with four quick phrases. And this is what this looks like. Maybe you're new here today, and you're trying to grasp this and understand this, and what a life could look like, faith, and being a people in process. Every one of us that are followers of Jesus, our testimony starts out with first, I messed up. I messed up. I messed up. I'm a mess. I am not perfect. I cannot meet the standard. It's then followed by, I give up. I'm giving this up. This is a mess. This is causing all these problems. I give it up. Then you say, then I looked up and said, God, or if there is a God or whatever's out there, can you help me? Because I'm a mess. I got to give this up. I'm looking up. And then thank the Lord. You say, then God showed up. That when I say I messed up, then I surrendered it and said, I give it up. And then I look up, thank the Lord God shows up. Amen? That's a whole bunch of you, his testimony right there. You can testify to that. And there's a whole lot of you in here that can also testify to that because maybe that's you in here today. That you can say, man, this just is continually a mess over and over and over again. I need to give it up. I need to look up and allow God to show up. And unfortunately, but the beautiful part of God and who he is, unfortunately, it took the mess to arrange the meeting. It took the mess to arrange the meeting. So embrace it. And then leave it. And pursue something bigger. Would you stand with me? If you're in here today and you're like, yeah, yeah, preach. I hear you. I've, I've messed up. I'm kind of done with this. I'm ready to maybe give it up. I'm looking for something. You're here today. I'm going to tell you right now, if you allow them, if you open your hands to it, God will show up. We have a great next step for you. We have a journal for you. It's called This Changes Everything. This is just a conversation with me and also with God to you. Written some stuff in there. It's actually a good way to be in community, to build community. Even if you just started there to say, who's God and what does that look like? And then I like to connect to you this. Would love to follow up with you and see how a faith-filled life of pursuing God and being a people in process changes everything. This is a gift we want to give to you. It's out in the lobby. If this is new to you and uh, you're just like interested in the journey, you're not quite there to being like, well, I can see the mess. I'm not sure I really want to, you know, clean it up all the way. You just want to start investigating. Would also love to give that resource to you as a gift. For the rest of us, are you in a community Find a running partner. Serious, that's why building community is so important. Our, va- our, our vision out there is to transform our homes, communities, and world by pursuing God and building community. It actually does transformative work when you allow that to happen. When you're in pursuit of him, taking next steps, and then you're in community. And that could be a community group. It could be a community of people. It could be like a group that, you, if you don't have one, put it together. It could be serving somewhere where you get to follow Jesus. You get to make friends, which we all like, and you have fun. Because that's really what it looks like. When you're actually able to flee, pursue, pursue and have a running partner, it's, it, it's really fun when you really get into it. That'd be a great next step for you. This is one of your first times with us. We're so glad to have you. Give us a couple weeks, check us out, get to know us, and uh, love to get to know you. Thank you for your generosity. It literally um, helps us do the things that we're trying to do here. God gives us all of these beautiful gifts, even financially, to allow um, him to work through us and how we give that back 
to see our homes, communities, and world transformed. So thank you for just honoring God in that way and uh, just honoring us as a faith community to continue to do that in a really powerful way. And um, if you need prayer, we have people that will be up in the front of the room, or you you can also write that on the connection card. We'll pray for you this week. Let me send you off with a a blessing. As you leave this place, we have this posture of giving up and receiving. May we be blessed by seeing God just expose some of the darkest, deepest cracks of our life this week that we think are all good, but maybe he just shine light into that. And may we flee from it and pursue him in that area and find a buddy to do it with. May you be blessed by that. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.